Hey guys, Wes and Ryan here letting you know that this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast is brought to you in part by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand based right here in the United States of America out of Indianapolis just up the road. And these guys, they, they helped us as a sponsor last week. They're, they're a sponsor this week as well, going to be a sponsor here for a little bit. And the reason we are so, so happy about this, guys, is this company is awesome. You hear this kind of stuff a lot. Um, but the, these kind of vintage college shirts have been all the rage now for a while. That trend's not going anywhere. And Homefield is perhaps the very best company that does this. And these guys on Saturday opened up their Tennessee account. So you can go to homefieldapparel.com and they got 15 things to choose from on that site. And these are a lot of things. And when you talk about vintage stuff, a lot of people have this vintage stuff, but what makes Homefield different is they dig through the archives and the history of each school that they partner with. They find unique logos, mascots, and they in moments to make really thoughtful decisions about what they put on these shirts for this school. And for Tennessee, they got 15 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, all kinds, all kinds of awesome stuff. And in the past, they've done things with Notre Dame, LSU, Texas, A&M, Wisconsin, Minnesota, UK, a bunch of others. Now they partner with Tennessee, and they're partnering with the Go Vols 24-7. And I'm telling you, I can finally talk about this stuff now. I think we both can, Ryan. Last week, they sent us stuff, and we couldn't really talk about it until it came out. We couldn't really preview anything. Um, but now I can tell you all 15 pieces are out. Uh, you can see the a lot of stuff with the Rifleman on it, a lot of really cool old smoky uniforms, Vol Navy, Pride of the Southland. These things came in. They are super soft. They are super comfortable. And since they came in now, uh, this was uh, last week, uh, my wife, has, who, who is pregnant, she can never find anything comfortable to wear. She wears that sweatshirt every single day now when she gets home. She just puts that sweatshirt back on, and this stuff is really soft and comfortable. It is, and uh, same same thing. My my wife has already uh, claimed the uh, the sweatshirt that came in. She she's a big fan of it. Uh, really soft, comfortable stuff. And uh, this is this is the kind of stuff that's right up my alley. It's it's a lot of sports fans are like the vintage looking stuff, and that's definitely what they have. And it's like you said, it's it's a bunch of unique logos you can't find on on a, on really any other stuff. Uh, there are plenty of Tennessee merchandise out there. Not anything that looks quite like this. And I think you saw that with the the on sale Saturday, a lot of excitement and, the, and some big numbers that, that home field had with this, uh, the launch of this line on Saturday. So uh, obviously a lot of Tennessee fans taking notice of it and uh, rightfully so it's some high quality stuff. And you know, the best part about this guys is right now you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you can also go, you know, through Facebook, you can go through the socials there through, through Twitter, Instagram, all those other things. But the easiest way is you go to homefieldapparel.com Go click on whatever you want, put it in the cart, and when you go to checkout, put in promo code VOLS247. That's VOLS247, VOLS247, and you get 15% off of your first order. You can go to homefieldapparel.com, click whatever you want in there. doesn't have to be Tennessee, but uh, probably, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably Tennessee. Go in there, click what you want, lots of cool stuff, put it in the cart, click VOLS247 right there at the end for 15% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you got drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. 
been a been a tough week for a lot of people. Tough weekend for a lot of people in the state of Tennessee. Time, we got our thoughts and prayers out to you. Time, there's really unfortunate with the floods. Time, maybe we can distract everyone from some sadness with some talk about football. Time, if Tennessee football can actually make people not sad. Time, that's okay. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24/7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on another. Scorching hot, beautiful summer afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, from Anderson Training Center, where we just spoke with Tennessee football coach Josh Heupel, first year Tennessee football coach Josh Heupel, just a, about a couple hours ago. Got plenty to discuss in this episode. How you doing? Hope you're well. Hope everyone out there in, in the middle Tennessee area with some of those floods. I know we had a lot of water here, but y'all had more over there and it's just some really, really sad stuff coming out of there. So I hope everyone is doing all right. hope none of you who are listening were connected to that because that's really, really unfortunate. And another reminder that there are things much bigger than sports out there. But our job is to distract you from those things and to discuss some sports. And so to do that, let's go to an undisclosed location. Let's go, uh, I will say, to a different part of the, uh, of the greater Knoxville area where we'll bring in the one, the only Patrick Brown. Pat, what's going on, man? Well, I gotta I gotta unmute myself first because I've never used Zoom before, apparently. So that's how it's going today, Wes. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's that time, man. It's it, it's interesting because I'm still trying to get my my brain used to Tennessee football season being back, and and the season starting on a Thursday, which throws off the body clock in so you, many different ways. You, you do have to do some I don't want to say mental gymnastics, but you have to be like, okay. If thir- this Thursday is going to be like Saturday, yes. right? Yes. And so Friday is like Sunday, so on and so forth. Uh, but we are at that point, and, and we did we get to it every year where it's like, okay, let's just let's just play the daggum games now. Yep. Right. Let's and I, just I think get to it. And I think I speak for fans. I think I speak for the coaching staff. I know I speak for us, and I probably speak for the players too. I know they're they're tired of, of beating on each other in practice, and uh, they're ready to go. Get ready for a new team and hit somebody else. Yeah, and we got, which they will get to do in, in 10 days. Yes, they will. 10 days from now, as we're recording this on Monday, August 23rd, the Vols opening their season September 2nd against Bowling Green, which is not supposed to be very good. But you know what? Uh, a lot of people have said a lot of things about Georgia Southern or Georgia State and other things before. So so let's see. Let the game be played. You never really know. In fact, we're going to spend the, the second segment of this episode discussing what do we actually know about this team? Because – you know, there, there are so many unknowns, and, and, and unknown does not mean bad. You know, unknown just means literally you don't know. It could be good. It could be bad. There could be some pleasant surprises. There could be some, some, some less than pleasant surprises. There could be some things that go about how we expect. But it's interesting going into a year with the first season of the new staff and so many new players out of the portal. There are so many things that we don't know, and that's going to be a fun discussion in the second segment. Before that, though, we do have some news to get to in the first segment, and uh, Tennessee's starting quarterback will be, drumroll please, we don't know yet because Josh Heupel will not tell us. Pat, we still think it's going to be Joe Milton III probably, but but Heupel will not come out and say it. Yeah, I mean, all, all the indications I've gotten, and I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, is that that's who it's going to be. Uh, I, I don't think it's a very poorly kept secret at this point um, that, that Milton is going to be the guy, at least to start the year. Um, and that's the thing about this competition is uh, it's only really for the first game because once you get to the season, 
how you perform on Saturday is going to dictate if you remain the guy. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it, I, I kind of, I, I went back and forth on, did I really expect Heupel to name uh, a starter on Monday? Uh, at first I thought he would, because I thought it was, I thought Tennessee had passed a point where like, okay, they know staff knows players, know, yeah. quarterbacks know, uh, why drag it out anymore? And then I kind of I kind of woke up one day morning, or, or no, it was when we got the practice schedule, and it was like practice is completely closed this week. It was like, all right, this guy's gone completely clandestine. Um, he's he's been SEC'd, quote unquote. He's not aiming to start him on. Yeah, that so, happened, that happened in a hurry, didn't it? That that whole that whole <laughs> we want everybody to see everything we're doing. We're proud of what we're doing here, and we want everybody to to see it and be a part of it. Uh, apparently until the season is about to start, in which case then it becomes much more, we don't want you to see a damn thing we're doing. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rake Heifel over the coals about it. I mean, it's his me, program. Me, he can do what yeah. he wants. Me either. Me either. It's just um, how it is it, these if, days. If he wants those guys to continue competing until the last possible second, um, then, you know, who am I to say that that's, he shouldn't do that. I, that's not, that's not my place. That's, you know, no one cares what I have to say anyway. Um, which is why you're all listening to this podcast. But, I care. I care. Pat. Uh, uh, thank you, Wes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if he wants those guys to keep, keep going a little bit more and, and it sounds like from what he said on Monday that, uh, Tennessee isn't full on in game week mode yet. If they were playing green Bay, as opposed to bowling green might be different. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they, he still made it sound like they might do some good on good, might still do some camp style, um, sessions or periods in practice where uh, they, they focus a little bit less on Bowling Green and a little bit more on themselves. And um, for a coach who's, you know, he's big on competition. We've heard him say it quite a bit. Um, and, and he talked about that with a lot of different positions too. You know, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't name punt returners. He didn't name kickers. He didn't, you know, um, he, he didn't do that on Monday either. So um, it, I, maybe that's the reason why I don't I, like I said I don't I don't think it's a very well kept secret right now that that Joe Milton's going to be the guy to start the season. Yeah, I was thinking about it. you were probably we're exactly one week away from showing up for the first Monday press conference of the year, which everyone knows now. It, it used to be a secret. Now it's really not that everyone tries to get there as early as they can for that Monday press conference because that's when Tennessee hands out the uh, the the game notes for the week, which have a depth chart in it. And uh, coaches love talking about depth charts. It's probably their favorite thing to do. But for most game notes, unless you're Jim Harbaugh, you put something actually in the game notes with some sort of a rough draft, perhaps, uh, of, of, a, of a depth chart. And so it, it, there's a lot of oars on it these days. And, and I laugh and we laugh, but, but it's, it really is how things go now. Like on defense especially, it, it, across the pond in England, they call it horses for courses, right? Like you, you got different guys used for different things. And the 11 guys you might use on defense – might be completely dependent on who you're playing in a certain week, the, the, who will be out there more often. Some positions will not be. Like, you know, Matthew Butler is going to start. We know that, right? Like, that, that's something that we know. Uh, Tyler Barron, if he's healthy, he starts. That's something we know. But generally speaking, you know, there's a lot of oars on there, and that's understandably so. But with the quarterback in, in particular, I frankly thought, and I don't know why, I, I just thought from the beginning – that when you had technically four, really three quarterbacks competing for a starting job, you would probably the mon- that Monday press conference for the first game week might be the first time that they would actually name it. 
and we're not there yet. We're seven days away from that. I think they might do it Monday. Um, that would be my guess. Or, or they might just say, you know what, you'll find out Thursday night. And that's their decision to make. As Pat said, it's his team, his call. Uh, but I think the more interesting thing now, at least in the past week, and again, we're not trying to read too much. You know, you try to read tea leaves, and there are things that we know from practice that after doing this thing for a long time, me for 20 years, Pat, for, you know, probably, what, a dozen years or so, whatever, however long we've been doing this, you know what to look for in practice. And it doesn't always tell you everything, but it, but it gives you a pretty good idea. And to me, the more interesting thing in the past week has not been, will Milton be the starter? Because it looks like he's going to be the starter. It's who might be the next guy out there. Because for a while, it looked like Hendon Hooker was ahead there. And now maybe Bailey's getting a little bit more, you know, getting a little heated up there and, and, and getting himself in the competition. So that, to me, might be the more interesting question right now. Yeah, I, I would still think that Hooker is going to be the backup ultimately. But I agree. Just from watching, just from watching them go and practice um, in the order that they go in, because we see so we see just very little of it. Um, it looks like it was kind of going back and forth. Um, and, and I did hear that uh, a couple people I talked to thought Bailey had the better. Uh, second scrimmage than Hooker did in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said before with Hooker, he, it's tough to get a real feel for him unless until you make him live and let him run around. Because that's such a big part of his game. And, and you're kind of putting the restrictor plate on that and in a scrimmage setting where he's in the red jersey and you can't hit him. So uh, I, I think he would be the guy. I think he's uh, brings a little bit more of what they want uh, in this offense. And um, he's just got, you know, he's the most experienced guy in the room. So um, I, I think he would be the backup. But uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know that this is that that is some sort of um, transfer. What's the word I'm looking for? Privilege transfer. No, it's like transfer preventation or, or you know. Oh, oh, oh! Pre- transfer avoidance or it's, you know, transfer. It's not, a, it's not a preventative measure, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so, that's fair. That's fair. Because coaches, because um, coaches might, do that before. We've seen coaches do that before, but I don't know if and, that's the case here. And that might be part of the reason they want to keep things a little bit open because uh, if you come out uh if i would come out on monday and said joe milton's our starter uh he would get a handful of questions about milton and then he would inevitably get a question about who's number who's two back <laughs> right because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the backup quarterback is he's always the most popular guy on the team right uh yeah it, it's it's who, who wants to be the most popular guy on campus Right, so um, it, it, I, maybe he just wanted to avoid that. The thing with Heifel did, like, he laughed. I mean, he, he's not – I don't think he's totally, like, under a rock here. I mean, he when, when the first question was clearly going to be about do you have anything you want to say about the quarterbacks, which is basically how it was worded, you know, he kind of laughed. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I think he, you know, he, maybe he likes doing that. Maybe he, he, maybe he thought uh, all of us showed up there Monday thinking it was going to happen, and he just wanted to send us home disappointed. I don't know. Maybe he got a kick out of that. Yeah, they maybe know. he's some sort of masochist. I don't know. The, the, um, the coaches know what what things where things are because I, I looked for for instance at um, you know the other day I, at, at the head coaches that have been in Tennessee. Every head coach that we've been in Tennessee since we've been here, they have all either read our board or they have had someone print out interesting things from our board and give them to them, so they know what is being said out there. Yeah, and one other thing to keep in mind with Heifel, and, and I, I did look some of this up earlier um, this month. Uh, at UCF, the last time he had a quarterback competition was 2019 at UCF, and um, Brandon Winbush, the transfer from Notre Dame, won that job uh, ahead of Dylan Gabriel. 
and Hypel announced via Twitter graphic that that was the decision. Um, UCF is playing Florida A&M, and so this the, he basically came out with a statement that said Wimbush is going to be the starter, but Gabriel will play. Uh, now Gabriel ended up taking the job after the opener, um, but that that decision came I think a week before the first game. If you're looking for a timeline, so um, there there are a handful of other teams I can't name them all. I know this weekend Baylor and Ohio State came out and said, "Here's our guy." Um, you know, two weeks out from uh, their first games, of course, Ohio State also plays Thursday night the same night Tennessee does. So um, we can go ahead and kill that narrative that only the also Rans or the teams looking for publicity only those teams play on Thursday night. That's not true. Ohio State's playing on Thursday night, so um, and their national title contender, but. That's just something to keep in mind. I mean, I, I don't think that'll happen, but, you know, who knows? Uh, we, we won't hear from Heifel for another week, um, although I think he is supposed to do something on fall calls on Wednesday night. I'm, I'm not sure if that'll be live. I would guess it would be an interview. Um, but I guess you got to stay ready in case he just drops it on Twitter. I don't, I don't know, Wes. I mean, yeah, this, certainly you can't do that at this program, can you? But maybe you can. Maybe, maybe you don't want to answer can. questions about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's – a new coach who might do things a different way. We, we, we don't really know, to be honest. I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways he could do this thing and he could decide that he wants to do it that way. Uh, I, I don't know that that is there a right or wrong way to do it. I mean, the only thing that I can tell you for sure is the right way to do it is you make sure that the players themselves know before you either tell the media or tweet something that that's the, the only really cardinal sin that you, you, you yeah. can't break. You have to let the players know and, and and I'll tell you this, Heupel being a guy who, you know, he had to fight for a starting job at Oklahoma, certainly. He had to fight for a, for a starting job at junior college. Uh, when he got to the NFL, he was trying to fight for a roster spot there. He was trying to fight for, for some competition. And so he had to have those awkward times where they sit you down and say, hey, we're cutting you. He knows the drill. He's a quarterback. He knows the egos there. So that would be one mistake I would be shocked if he made. I, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure he'll let them know, but that's the only thing he really – that's the only really can't break. Yeah, and that, that's that's the uh, – I would fully expect him to sit those guys down in a room and say, here's the thing, uh, here's the situation. And, and that's why it was surprising. I mean, he was straight up asked on Monday, does the team know who's starting? And I think if you polled most of the team, they would say that they know. I mean, they see who's going first in practice. The starters know who's back there. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of them have talked quite a bit about Milton over the past few couple weeks. So um, that was a little bit of a surprise the way he sort of sidestepped that one. Um, but, you know, I, I like I said, I, I think everybody knows and they're just being selective on when they uh, when they want to let the cat out of the bag. You know, I think Milton is um, – I think they've been pleased with what they got from him. You know, the most specific thing Heupel said about him on Monday was that he's uh, looked much more comfortable in the offense uh, the second half of the preseason than in the first half. And, um, from what I, again, from what I was told, he was pretty good in the, in the second scrimmage, which was the one in the rain. So it's important to keep in mind for him and for a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they're really only 15 practices into playing for this, for this staff. You know, so many new guys came in over the summer, particularly, uh, you know, transfers that are, that are going to be factors on this team. And Milton's one of those guys, although he was, uh, as, as Heupel said on Monday, he was in, you know, in town in May, really trying to make up for what he missed in the spring. And, uh, and, and Heupel kind of played down the notion that him missing the spring has been a, has been an issue. So, um, again, I, I think he's, uh, I mean, I think I said back on our, on our board, um, 
back in, I think it was June that I said, I thought he would be the guy and he's gone out there and uh, he's shown that he can operate this offense. He's obviously shown off the arm strength. He's obviously done a good job with his accuracy. And, um, and I think he gives this offense the, its highest ceiling. But again, until these guys go out there and do it, there's that element of we there's that element of unknown where you kind of you're kind of like okay well let's go out and see what they do yeah I mean I think that's the that that's the question with with Milton is we just don't know I mean if you built a quarterback in the lab you have built one who who looks like him you know you're talking about a guy who looks like a defensive end runs like a you know kind of a possession big wide receiver and um you know could throw the ball about 70 80 yards in the air so yeah I mean if you were trying to build a quarterback and be like I want him to look like that one um, but, you know, uh, the physical ability has been there before. He's been injured at Michigan. He's been um, playing for a uh, maybe a less than stellar offensive coaching staff up there in some ways at Michigan. Just things didn't work out there. Maybe things will work out differently at Tennessee or maybe the lights come on and, and things will not go well. Um, but I'll tell you, when I looked at the other day, just as I was, as I was writing a story, you know, ESPN is doing their, their top 25 countdown games of the year. And, of course, that Liberty-Virginia Tech game was on there because, man, hell of a game that was. And, you know, it's not like Liberty was ranked. It's not like Liberty was a bad team. It was a solid team, but obviously not an SEC-caliber defense. But watching Hooker, you know, make some throws in that game into tight spaces and run around and make plays, you could do a lot worse than having a guy like that out there. You know, I, I think he'd be I think he'd be all right. But um, before we go to a break here, Pat, was there anything else on Monday that Heupel said that really sort of got your attention? Well, I don't know if it got my attention, but we probably should close the chapter on uh, QB18. Yep. Uh, Brian Maurer, who uh, announced last Thursday after we did, what was our last podcast? Uh, yeah, mid middle of last week. Yeah. Was it Wednesday, maybe after the scrimmage? I don't remember when it was. Um, but uh, I don't feel like we podcasted since Maurer came out and said that he uh, was going to go into the transfer portal. Um, he did on Saturday, and Heifel said that after their conversation, uh, I assume, I think he was talking about the first conversation where he basically said, you're not going to be the guy, we're cutting your reps yeah. in practice, uh, that he decided he was going to go, um, that he that his future was in his hands at that point, and, and Maurer's going to obviously decide to, to go and uh, pursue something else, and Heifel closing that by saying that they wish him the best, and he decided that he just wanted a different opportunity for his future, so... Uh, that's the uh, – as one quarterback door maybe opens, but not yet because Heifel doesn't want to name a starter, one has closed, and that is Brian Maurer. We'll see where he goes. Um, this is sort of a good segue before the break, right, because you look at this quarterback room now. Garantano left, Shrout left, Salter was here, and then he's gone. Now Maurer's gone. If you look at who's left, two of these guys were playing at different programs last season, and Harrison Bailey is in his second year, and his first year was not anything normal. So – yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of positions on the roster like that, which is uh, what we're going to get into maybe a little bit in the second segment. I agree. And before we do that, though, we got to step away for a break. Uh, Pat has already teased what we're going to do in the second segment because he is a professional. And that is what we're going to talk about in the second segment. How much do we actually know about this team? Before we do that, though, uh, we're going to step away for just a second, uh, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. And we will be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon, joined by Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location there at an undisclosed portion of the East Tennessee-Knoxville metropolitan region. Talking Tennessee football here on a Monday afternoon after we spoke with Tennessee football coach uh, Josh Heupel just a couple of hours ago. Uh, the team went through a bit of a walkthrough practice on Monday, and, and then which was closed to the media, and then Heupel came out and spoke with us afterward, talked about a lot of things, talked about the quarterback position, uh, talked about the tight end position, which is something I think is really interesting going into the season. And, and there's lots of things that, that we just don't know about this team. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but there's lots of things we don't know, and that's what we're going to talk about here in just a second. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys, if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, go in there and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. However you listen, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. We appreciate you doing that. However, if you could go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this very Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And we do this for free, and we're happy to do it. The one thing we ask for is that you go in there and rate and review this podcast and hit that subscribe button. Uh, that There are algorithms out there. I don't pretend to know how they work, but I know that the more that y'all rate and review this show, uh, the more that you do those things, the more you hit, you hit that subscribe button, the easier it gets to other people who have similar devices and want to listen to specific podcasts about specific things. Uh, it gives you suggestions, and if you're a Tennessee fan and, and this thing keeps going up the rankings as it has been, it's going to pop up for more people. More people will listen to it, uh, and we've been growing for three years, and, and we're happy about where uh, things are gone, but never satisfied. Uh, we, we, we want to get even bigger and better, and we're going to keep doing that. But if y'all could tell your friends, hit that subscribe button, that would be awesome. Pat, lots of stuff that we don't know about this Tennessee football team. There are lots of things we do know. And we're on GoVols247.com giving you a couple dozens of stories every day telling you about the things that we know about this team or the things we're being told about this team. But this is one of those times going into a season where there's always unknown because college football is a transient sport, right? I mean, you have players that can only play there four to five, now possibly six years, uh, and then they're gone. And a lot of players go to the portal before then, a lot of new coaching staffs, a lot of new coaching philosophies, schemes, all those things. And Tennessee has had about as much change as you can possibly have in one calendar year uh, because you have a record number of players that have left the program. Uh, again, that's not to kick them while they're down. That's just saying they had more guys going to the portal than other teams did. That's a fact. Uh, also added some guys from the portal, though, brought in a new coaching staff that has a completely different philosophy on offense and uh, at least a somewhat different approach defensively as well and lots and lots and lots of new players at lots of premium positions. And, and Pat, going into the season, we've seen this team practice a little bit uh, until this week, which has been good, but there are so many things we just don't know. What do we actually know about this team right now, 10 days ahead of the season? Well, we know that they're going to be counting on a lot of new guys, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of guys that haven't played a lot or guys that, that just got here. We talked about Milton. 
Um, you look at the backfield, the, the, you know, two of their top three guys are going to be newcomers and Tyron Evans and Jalen, Jalen Wright. Um, even guys that are maybe quote unquote household names, you know, you could Darnell Wright is going to be a left tackle now. How's that going to go? Um, even this defensive line, uh, really the whole defense, trying to put the depth chart together for the defense last week. Um, it was a lot more difficult than the offense. Yeah, it, um, it had to be. Because, uh, you know, I, you look, you just go by position uh, on on offense. We kind of know how the quarterbacks are shaking out. We kind of know who the top two, three guys are on the backfield. Uh, we kind of we kind of know who's going to be in the rotation for sure at wide receiver and who's trying to get into the rotation. Uh, I think their starting five on the offensive line has been set for uh, a little bit now. Yeah, uh, who they're going to roll with up there, but then the defense is like, uh, well, they're first of all they're going to rotate guys, so who starts is not as important. Second of all, it's going to be a lot of it. Uh, you know, if they're going to be as quote unquote multiple and flexible as they want to be, then there's going to be a lot of different combinations. You're going to have uh, you know, if you're playing four down on, on your defensive line, some some days, you know, some situations you're going to want three 300 pound guys there. Other times you're going to want two defensive linemen and two edge rushers. Other times you're going to want one defensive lineman who's your quickest inside guy, and then three outside linebackers maybe slide somebody inside to get matched up with a guard. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then your you know your secondary, you're, you're going to be playing five and six defensive backs, all that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it it's just I mean. We talked about the quarterbacks. You look at the running back situation. None of those guys were here before June of 2020. And last year was obviously a very different year for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and you can even just go down the line and look at, uh, okay, the receiver spot. You know, we had a question about on, on, on our board about, uh, you know, is there concern about the receivers? And I'm like, uh, I mean, Cody Burns is pretty open about that group being unknown, right? Yeah. And, and it makes sense because, you know, Bayless Jones has played a lot. Jalen Hyatt has played one year and has some production. But other than that, I mean, Javante Payton, who was a guy that, that Heupel mentioned on Monday, has had a uh, started to come on the last four to five practices. Uh, I think he's going to sh- prove to be a nice pickup for them. But, um, you know, he's played two seasons in the SEC, but it was in two different offenses. You know, Juwan Mitchell on defense played in two different defenses in Texas. Now he's learning his third one in three years. Um, and, and again, he, he's gone through 15, 16 practices with the staff. So, uh, and, and going back to wide receivers, Cedric Tillman's the guy who's going to start and, and probably, uh, I, I'm interested to see how long it takes him to surpass his career total of eight catches. Cause it might be, it could be midway through the pit game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it <laughs> um, could be, I mean, cause they, they go, I think they're going to go to him a lot. I think he's kind of the, the security blanket type for them. Yeah, and they talked to him about being a red zone guy. And, and, you know, for all the talk about speed and wanting fast guys in this offense, uh, you know, this staff just took a 6'5", 220-pound Jacob Harris, turned him from a soccer player at Western Kentucky into a, a fourth-round NFL draft pick. So, you know, there, there's there's room in this offense for the, for the big receivers too. Uh, and so you look at the offensive line, you know, I, I feel like we all know who their top six is, right? But who's mm-hmm. who's the seventh guy? You know, who's who's the next guy in line after you slide Cade Mays inside or flip Carver over to center if you need him and put Dane Davis in one of the tackle spots? So what who's the next guy up? We don't know. Who's you know, how many tight ends do they trust right now? That's not a position that's got a lot of depth. So um there, there's just an, and in the secondary, I would say the probably the most known is the secondary because all those guys have played. Uh and we've seen you've got Alante some you've Taylor. got some yeah, you've got some war horses back there that have played a lot of snaps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you've got, you know, Trayvon Flowers had a good camp. Jalen McCullough is still back there. You know, Theo Jackson, I think, uh, posted a story on him Sunday night about him 
uh, it's funny. I actually went back and double checked this, but he, he's going to be the nickel guy. Um, and last season he was kind of playing out of position. It turns out that like they threw him in there in the South Carolina game with the, in the last 10 minutes um, on minimal practice time to that position after he had gone to Pruitt and Derek Ainsley and said, Hey, can I play this bit more? So he got his wish, but he got it in unusual circumstances. I think he's, uh, I think if you ask Theo now, he'd say, I'm not a safety, I'm a nickel guy. Um, that's just sort of the mindset with him. So you got him, you've, you know, we've seen Warren Burrell's got what eight starts. Alante Taylor's been around for, I mean, he's one of the old heads on the team. So that's a group that we, that we know who they are. Now, a lot of those guys haven't played great in the past for whatever reason. And, and last year they were uh, a little bit of a mess at times in the secondary. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's going to be, I mean, you look at linebacker, you know, Jawan Mitchell's the new guy. Can, can you trust Jeremy Banks? Defensive line's got a lot of guys that we know. You mentioned Matt Butler. We know a lot of those guys, but they're playing in a different system for a different coach. Yeah. I think, I think Latrell uh, Bumpus is having a nice camp too, by the way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's going to be a guy that plays a lot. So is Blakely, uh, you know, who they start because Bowling Green is just going to depend on what Rodney Garner is feeling like when he wakes up that morning. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. That's just how it goes with him. So that that's, you know, there's so much that we don't know about how this team is going to, you know, uh, about this team. We do know some things about how they're going to play, particularly on offense, right? We know we know what to expect on that side of the ball. Defensively, it's a little bit more up in there. Yeah, it, it's – and I wonder, you know, it's a good thing to be multiple and versatile on defense because you have to be because so many people run tempo offenses these days and Tennessee practices against the – that defense practices against a pretty darn fast-paced offense every day, so you would think that would kind of throw them into the fire a little bit. But I, I wonder, you know, where where's that progression in terms of learning the defense, being as versatile as you want to be? How do you match that with having to get it simple enough where guys can go play this season? Because they're not going to know it as well as they'll know it next year. That's just how it is. Uh, so at, at what point do you just have to – you know, have some basic principles and follow those. And that's how you have to get your best 11 playing as fast as you can, because it's great to have all this versatility and guys standing up and then being down and moving around. But at that point, and I'm not saying it's the same thing because we don't know yet, but I just remember that South Sinceri defense, how excited they were about the, the multiplicity of that defense and how once the season started, they were like, wait, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. And, 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 and you're giving some people, you're giving some people some nightmares. Now. Yeah. Well, because it just, and I'm not saying it'll be like that. I'm just saying, I wonder how you measure that versus, you know, the, the versatility that you need versus keeping it as simple as you can to get your best 11 out there playing as quickly as they can. Yeah. The thing about the defense and really with the offense too, is once you get to this point, once you get to sort of close to game week, it, you know, it, it should get simpler schematically, right? Because you're yeah. taking a big chunk of your playbook and you're only using parts of it for the game plan, right? Mm-hmm. Based on what your opponent is doing, whoever that is. So, you, you know, if Bowling Green plays a lot of four wide, you don't, you're not going to have to use much of your, if you have a four, three base quote unquote, or uh, some sort of five man front, you know, you're not going to need that a lot, right? Cause you're going to be a nickel and dime most of the game. Um, and, and it's probably easier on, on, in the offense, uh, on the offensive side of things, because you've got, this big selection of, of, of plays, but you're only going to really rep and work on a handful of them for that game. Now they might call, you know, you still might use something that you didn't work on as much in a game that happens. Oh yeah. You, you, uh, you, Cause the coach, you get the, on the whiteboard and saying, Hey, 
uh, sorry guys, our game plan was not what it needed to be, and we're doing this now. Sorry. Right. right. So that that's why I think you know, for you know, we've been doing this a while. A lot of times in camp and in spring, it's all about install, install, install. Well, now at this point, it's scaling it back down and saying, all right, here's what we're going to game day with. We're going to work on it over the next however many practices you you're, you're doing. Um, and, and then you kind of go from there, but, um, and, and that's, that, that's to me that the defense is really the big question mark. And, and what brought up this conversation of, of what is the unknowns, all these unknowns and, and this, that, and the other is that, you know, Heifel talked about a handful of position groups on, on Monday, right? He talked about the quarterbacks, talked about wide receivers, the offensive line, yeah. linebackers, secondary. He talked about all these position groups without saying a whole lot. And, you know, he didn't show, he, you know, he didn't, you know, we didn't learn very much uh, from what, a lot of what he said. And that got to the point where it not got to the point, but it kind of highlights that there's a lot about this thing we don't know. Um, and, and I'm, I'm reminded of a board uh, of a thread on our board that got maybe three or four pages asking if Tennessee would miss Eric Gray and Ty Chandler this year. And I'm like, there's, it's virtually impossible to know at this point. Because yeah. we have seen 26 carries from Jabari Small and Tyon Evans and Jalen Wright have never played in a SEC football game, so yeah. uh, there's just no way to know at this point because you just you don't know because you've never seen these guys and there's a lot of position groups that that fall into that category. Yeah, I wonder how much like it would almost in some ways be better for Tennessee to almost go straight into SEC play this season, and I say that because no. Well, let, can I finish? Let me just Get. let me let me throw it out here before you reject it. You'll you, you'll probably matumbo, but I'm going to try anyway. No, no, no. We're talking about how much this Tennessee team, how much we don't know about them. Well, how could an opponent know? And, and so that might be something where, you know, or if you were at least maybe playing Pitt and then Bowling Green, to where you can go out there in a game that's important, and the opponent. We'll, we'll have no idea really what to look for because by the time Tennessee gets the SEC play, they'll have a couple of weeks of looking at things that, that these players have done for this coaching staff. So they will have a base idea. And Tennessee has to be, you know, I'm not saying flashy in the pit game, but Tennessee has to show some stuff in the pit game to give itself a chance to win that game. So I wonder, well, because I, we're talking about what, how do you prepare? Because you're, you're talking about what, going back and looking at all of Heupel's old Missouri and, and UCF film and, you know, looking at Penn State's defense from last year, looking at some of Tennessee's players from last year defensively. It would just seem to be a mess to prepare to, to face this team right now. Well, I, I, there, there's some validity to what you're saying, and I do think they will keep a vanilla for Bowling Green. Um, they should be able to roll the ball out there and be Bowling Green. They also thought that against Georgia State, the previous staff did, and that didn't turn out right. True. Um, but uh, the the numbers on Bowling Green were historically bad last season. So, and that program has won three of its last I don't know seventeen games or something. Like, you know, three of its last nineteen games or something like that. And in a bit of a rough um, patch, right? And really a rough stretch. I mean, since twenty fifteen, but the Bowling Green that Tennessee played in twenty fifteen that was a legitimately good team. Yes, and they played that Tennessee team tough for three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, over in Nashville, that 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 team went on to uh, win the MAC with uh, Dino Babers, and he bolted. And since he bolted to Syracuse, they've been kind of crap. Um, yeah. But the Pitt Pitt's probably a bad example because Pitt and UCF played Heupel's first two seasons there. So Narduzzi and that staff mm, and some good, of those players that are point. still there, they you know they can just go back to that because they just prepared for it not that long ago. You know, so that they'll have you know whatever they did to 
prepare for the tempo of Heupel's offenses, they can just revert back to that. Um, and they can go based off that. Um, they split those two games, by the way. Uh, I think the first one in Orlando was not close in UCS favor. And then 2019, it went down to the wire. I think Pitt won on like a trick play on fourth down at the goal line or something like that, like a minute left. Um, so that, that's maybe not a good example. But there is some validity to what you're saying because if, if, if we don't know a whole lot about this Tennessee team, then opponents aren't either. Um, and, and you have a chance to ease into things with uh, Bowling Green, who, again, you should be able to keep things vanilla, run your base stuff. Knock on wood, yes. They should be able to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you're going to uh, – and I'm talking about, you know, Tennessee's offense, they're going to do what they do. I mean, we've heard Heupel and Goalish and those coaches reference it. You have your – kind of your staple things, um, and they're going to have that in this offense. They're also going to do some things differently to tailor to who they have. Um, so – and that's, you know – the receiver position is a good example. At Tennessee, they're going to have Jalen Hyatt in the slot. He's a fast guy. You don't want him on the line. You want him off playing off coverage and using his speed and quickness and space to get open. Uh, last season at UCF, they had I think Marlon Williams was their main guy in the slot. Yes, he's like a he was like mini Juwan Jennings. The, the games of him I watched, he was kind of like Juwan Jennings. I don't think he was as big as Juwan is, which. Um, but he was still sort of a big body physical guy. And then they had fast guys on the outside. They had um, Jalen Robinson, I think is his name. I think he was a transfer from Oklahoma. Um, and, then, and they started off with Trey Nixon, who I think he got drafted too. Uh, he was all, those, those two guys were straight speed. Um, and so it's going to be a little bit different, but um, yeah, I mean, there, there's, like I said, there's just so much about this team. We don't know because we haven't seen a lot of these guys. I mean, one of their starting receivers is going to be a guy that has eight catches in three years. Two of their top three running backs again haven't played at this level, um, and maybe you know, and off- yeah, maybe their most effective pass rusher was a manager at Dollar General a couple of years ago. Right, Byron Young, great, you know, good. Yes, exactly. That whole position group's young. With you know, we've seen flashes from Roman Harrison there. You know, Tyler Barron's a sophomore. We've seen flashes from Harrison, but you know, can you put it all together in a game? Can you, you hold know, up against the example. run? Can you hold up against the run too? Right. So, I mean, go to the offensive line. They're going to have two sophomores starting in, in Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans. So, um, now that, that's, you know, that's a pretty good duo. I mean, I think those guys are going to be good players. They really like Spragans. And um, I think he's, you know, those guys have improved over the course of the offseason. But it's like, it's new guys. There's just new guys all over this roster. And, and, and to the point, as you mentioned about college football being, would you say transient? Is that the word? Yeah, transient. Not to get all Butch Jones on you, Wes, but um, what did he say? Like a third of your roster changes every year. Was that one of his which, uh, one of his favorite stats back in the day? I'm trying to think. Did I? How much did I just sort of shiver and disgust there? I think yeah, a little bit. So it does <laughs> ring a bell. It, it it comes to mind. The difference is that Tennessee is going to be relying on that new third a lot more than most teams, right? Just because of all of yeah. the turnover with the roster and. You're bringing in some junior college guys that are going to play a lot for you right away. You're bringing in some several transfers that are going to probably start for you, um, and so that that's that's where. And not to go all butch on you again, but he always referred to the first game as the game of unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. He has a lot. Of, no, I shivered. I shivered hardcore. I, I shivered pretty hard there. That was that was a big one. Yeah, and maybe this is – I'll have to blame Willie Martinez because he drops the snap and clear a few times last week and it, it got me all back in 
yet. All, all of a sudden, I just got this big crushing headache right in my temples. And I, I was felt like, like I was why back is in this happening? Right, yeah. Looking back at 2016 and Tennessee is they're petrified of having a top 10 team and blowing it. So I was wondering, wondering if he was going to go to, to, to a list in his back pocket or, you know, what, where things were going to go from that point. But I, I mean, that, that, before we get out of here, that, that, that's just the most interesting thing to me is I, I've said all along, measure your expectations for this team, because th- this team to me looks infinitely better now than it did in the spring but that was one of the yes. lowest bars I'd ever seen. So they had to get better from there. They would not, you know, they were like bad Vanderbilt team bad in the spring. Like it was bad. It was bad. But now, in most positions, um, but now they're looking more and more like a team that can compete in some, in, especially in some areas. But I, I've been telling people to, to sort of, or asking, suggesting people, I don't tell people anything, I suggest to people to, to sort of measure their expectations. However, no, you tell me I'm wrong all the time. So well, then and then we let the gods decide. We let the football gods decide who takes the day. But <laughs> I, I I just think that I don't. I'm trying to to say this the right way. I don't think people should get their hopes up too much for like a big season. But I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with going into the season being excited about seeing something different. You, you know, you don't have to look for, and it's not necessarily over the course of this full season about the results. It's more about it's something different. Will it be an, a more exciting brand of football? Will there be some young guys who you go, man, that guy could really be something in a year or two. You know, can you see the way this team competes? Can you see, you know, does this coaching staff have the ability to make adjustments on the fly in the game, right? Everybody talks about halftime adjustments way too much. I'll, I'll tell you, halftime adjustments can be a bit overrated. But can this team adjust on the fly? Can you see Heupel doing some of that sprayer stuff where you're just kind of drawing plays in the dirt in between, you know, possessions and going out there and go, and, and trying some new things and, and, and making adjustments on the fly? Can we see things like that? You know, can we see a team make those adjustments in a game? Can we see a team bounce back from adversity? Can this coaching staff help them in that way? There are so, so, so many things for which – we don't have a little idea. We have no idea. So I think that can be exciting, but there's a difference between being excited about seeing something new and being excited about expecting big results because I think those are two different things. Yeah, and, and it's easy to get excited about individual players, right? I mean, sure. Yeah, look, at, look at the receiver position. Jalen Hyatt was a highly recruited guy. Uh, Jimmy Calloway was a highly rated guy. I don't know. Hyatt maybe shut things down after he committed to Tennessee, and Callaway was on. I don't even think he was rated anywhere when they found him. But those yeah, are guys he he, he, ro- guys. he rose he rose late. Yeah, it's you know you look at you know look at the quarterback position with Milton. You know you've seen some of what he can do, mm-hmm. and it's hard not to see that and get excited. I mean, Tyon Evans was the number one junior college running back in in the country last season. You know, uh, there's you know you still got two former five stars on the offensive line, and, and you know. We've heard a lot about Jeremy Banks going to the defensive side, about him being, you know, Brute said he could be one of the best linebackers he ever coached. Yeah. It's like, but he's been sort of held back by his own, uh, his own need to kind of maybe grow up a little bit. And he was behind two guys last season. Sure, so, sure. you know, if they finally unleash him, what does he look like? And what does he look like next to Mitchell, who's a guy that, you know, people probably watch his YouTube highlights on, 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 from Texas, but do they really know how he plays? And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's just so many questions about this team, and that's just on an individual basis, much less, as you pointed out, how do they play collectively? Does this offensive line work as one? 
you know, what's the timing like with the receivers and the quarterbacks defensively? Are they sound at the very least? That's that has to be a starting point for for this group in particular after they had so many mistakes and busts last season that just gave you know gave big plays away. Yeah. Um, if they can just make the other team beat them, as opposed to you know, can can they play? Uh, assignment sound and coverage and, and stay in their gaps and, and just not give up some of the easy stuff that the defense did last season. That Those are all things that there's just no way to know until you get to a game. And uh, even if you're playing Bowling Green or if you're playing Green Bay, you don't know those things until uh, until you hit the field um, and, and play the game. Yeah, that, that was my only point is that I, I just – I think that there are – you know, a guy like Tyon Evans could be fun to watch. A guy like Byron Young could be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, how much has, has Tyler Barron progressed? I mean, we're, we're getting out of here now, but but we could spend the rest of this day, not that we're going to because we're not, but we could, in theory, spend the rest of this day sort of wargaming and, 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 you know, saying how will this team possibly react to certain things? What players will it go to? You know, how will, how will it adjust to getting hit in the face a little bit? You know, will it be one of those teams where – you know, it's playing great until one mistake really just kind of kills everything and they can't come back from it. You know, there are so many – when you start thinking about the things that we don't know, we could spend the rest of this week talking about them. Uh, and we will, just not on this very podcast. But I just think that that's something interesting is that we there are so many things we don't know. Going into a season now, I cannot think of a time – I really cannot think of a time where there has been a combination – to this degree of a new staff, a new scheme, and a new roster. To me, it's the biggest combination of those three things that I can remember when you talk about a different coaching staff, when you talk about a different scheme, and you talk about a different group of players in important roles. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. So that, to me, is exciting because when you go to work and you know what you're going to see, that's boring, isn't it? Yeah. That's... I think that's fascinating. Kind of like, kind of like college football is boring now because the same three or four or five teams are in the playoff hunt every year. Yeah, and that could be another topic for another day because man, somebody needs to step up and start changing that. Come on, let's let, let, let's let's. It's like a New Zealand rugby or something out there. Like let's let's see something different. But uh, alas, that's where we are. Pat, you got anything else? Uh, I think we're good. I think we're good too, man. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. No problem. And you know what? If I can find that button. Where's that button? Where are you? Where are you? There you are. Thank you all for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We say this every week, but we mean it every week. Thank you every every week, every episode. Multiple times a week we say this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making us a part of your day. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, which is updated throughout the day, all day, every day, called 24-7 for a reason. Um, But if you want that most delicious, most unfiltered, delicious, just right from the tap, Smoky Mountain goodness, go get that water straight from the tap. Govals247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets. To get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball with Vitello and all all the things those guys are doing. Lady Vols coverage where the award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. We've got two forums running around the clock all day, every day, the checkerboard and the summit where you can go discuss anything you want with us. 
all day long, as long as it is not political or religious in nature. We will have that conversation with you all day, every day. There are thousands of Tennessee fans worldwide on there talking about Vol stuff, talking about SEC stuff, and talking about anything and everything in between. And we're on there. Our entire staff is there all the time, right there on the checkerboard and the summit at GoVols247.com. Also, you get, you know, what, a couple dozen fresh content items a day, it seems like, it, these days. Just so much stuff. We will bombard you. The best database in all of sports uh, in terms of college and, and, and high school recruiting stuff. All of it right there, GoVols247.com. You can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs. And if, if, if you go with the free trial and you stick with it and you end up paying us the rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be uh, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That is a streaming arm of CBS Viacom. Everything, everything in the CBS catalog, every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Lots of new movies, uh, lots of older movies, lots of classic movies on there, like the Indy Jones franchise and all kinds of other great stuff. So much awesome stuff on there. Uh, plus, you get live sports, SEC. Uh, sports, so you obviously you get the Vols there. You get NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, which is getting ready to start back up. UEFA Europa League, which is getting ready to start back up. All of that, plus things from the archives of uh, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon for the kiddos. That's a $100 plus annual value. Rolls-Royce package, commercial free. $100 plus annual value that we give you for free. No one else can do that. We can do that for you. So go to GoVols247.com. It is very easy to sign up and give us a shot. And if you if you do that, I think you'll stay because I think we have, we have a good product. I think all of us do a pretty good job there on that website. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us by uh, Thursday at the latest, unless there's big breaking news before then. Uh, so until then, uh, just be good. Be safe. Uh, you know, the distance is back on. we got the masks back on indoors uh, in a lot of places in Knox County, especially mandatory on UT's campus now. Let's be safe, guys. The numbers are going in that different direction. Let's Let's have a football season. Let's make sure we do that. Until then, be safe. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.